Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney, a 2X startup founder, a UCLA Bruin with a background in engineering and an economics degree, and twice a week we'll be discussing the products, tech, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous cars as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of April, 2019. This is episode 94, which finds us in Germany. Not literally, unfortunately, as I do love Germany very much, but uh, I was hugely honored to be invited by Matthias Jotzik to join him as a special guest on his podcast. It's called Autonomous Fahren, literally translated, that means autonomous driving. So Matthias is based in Germany, and uh, let's see, he's an electrical engineer who's recently started up this podcast um, because, as he explained it to me, there's not really any good autonomous vehicle podcast for the German-speaking world. So uh, yeah, this may end up being the first time I end up being dubbed over in a foreign language. Don't know. Uh, anyway, before I forget, do make sure to follow and subscribe to his podcast. Just like me, he produces this on Anchor.fm, so it's available in something like 10 or 11 podcast platforms. But yeah, you can find it, just Google uh, Autonomous Fahren Podcast, that's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-E-S-F-A-H-R-E-N. Um, do be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast. Also, you can find Matthias on Twitter um, at AutonomFahren. So uh, without further ado, let's dive in. We've got a really fascinating 30-minute discussion coming up next with Matthias Jotzik of AutonomFahren. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you so much for your time and this opportunity. It's my pleasure to talk to you about autonomous cars with the maker of the number one podcast on this topic. Um, would you like to start with an introduction of yourself, Mark? Well, sure. Well, thanks very much, of course, for having me here, Matthias. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, my background is rather different. As I like to say, it's a bit pretzel-shaped. Um, I finished my university studies at UCLA with economics, but this was after four years of mostly sort of pre-engineering track, so physics, math, even chemistry and biology. Uh, I ended up going to law school, became a lawyer licensed here in California. I launched two startups over the past eight years. Um, and then several years ago, started doing a lot of writing about autonomous cars, uh, Quora, Medium, elsewhere besides. And it occurred to me about a year ago <clears throat> that we didn't actually, well, I couldn't find anyway, uh, a, a podcast that was at least regularly uh, produced, meaning at least weekly. Um, and I had never done a podcast before. And weirdly enough, I had also never even listened to a podcast. <clears throat> so I thought it would be sort of fun to give it a shot, give it a go. So that was a year ago. 
And now here we are. And yeah, as you say, it's, I guess it's sort of become a thing. People rather like it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's the same or similar background I have. Yeah. Nothing to do with, with podcasts or um, yeah, autonomous vehicles before, but very interested in it. And yeah, that's very, pretty cool. Well, let's face it. It is the most important thing, I think, at least in several generations. I, I always describe it as the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. I think it really is that big. Uh, a good friend of mine from high school who's also been in the autonomous car world and is currently, in fact, I guess a quick shout out to him, uh, Bill Chen over at Ride OS. He, uh, he, he called me out on that claim saying, well, don't you think Actually, his exact word choice and indeed his body language was sort of shock that I made such a bold claim. And he said, really? He said, you, you really think it's the biggest step change in humanity, not AI? And then that really kind of caught me. And I thought, well, that's a really good point. I gave it some more thought and I realized, well, look, I think AI is surely arguably more important still, but it's one of the ingredients. So for me, the idea is that, you know, you need flour, sugar, milk, et cetera, to make a good cake. But until you've baked it together in the oven, it's the cake which people really, the end, the end user really cares about. So that's the sense with which I say this. Okay, sure, AI is arguably the most important component, one could say. But as far as the end product, yeah, I think autonomous cars, the impact on society. I can't really think of a thing which is much bigger outside of perhaps medicine. Yeah. Yeah, AI is a very big thing and um, yeah, one of the basis of several technologies in the next years and decades. Yeah, so and we are just in the beginning of it, of the development on it, especially in the commercial use of it. So since a few years, um, that's my understanding. Yeah, a few years become more and more um, yeah important for commercial use. The AI and it boosts this technology. Yeah, well, to be fair, we, and again, I agree, we wouldn't even have a future of autonomous vehicles, but for the development of AI, surely. Um, but it is this end product of autonomous vehicles that will have the most tangible impact to the consumers generally. Um, so um, what is your personal experience with with AVs? Could you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, so... Um, hands-on experience is, for better or worse, limited solely to what I've been able to test with Tesla's autopilot, which I will just make this clear for the record. Yes, I know it is not an, uh, an actual autonomous vehicle system, period. Shall I say yeah. it again? It is not an autonomous vehicle system, at least not yet. Um, yeah, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, but look, I mean, it, it's, it's, how can I say this? I mean, Okay, if we look at aviation, I mean, depending on where you want to start the timeline, autopilot systems can be traced back to just several years after the Wright brothers' first flight. You know, are those by any stretch of the imagination true autopilot systems? No, of course not. But it was the starting point. And I think it's <clears throat> certainly fair to say that Tesla's autopilot is the starting point. And okay, is it capable in all situations at all times? Absolutely not. Is it capable in some situations, some of the time? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and it's a, it's an amazing thing to experience this evolution occur in real time right before our eyes. So, yeah, Tesla's autopilot is is also in in Europe a big thing at the moment. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it, and this is a driver in this in this um, yeah industry or market. Um, yeah, the only solution at the moment, and 
yeah, from the definition, yeah, could be autonomous or yeah, Elon is um, yeah telling about autonomous cars, but I'm not really sure if if this is the solution, the final solution with Tesla. Or, there were um, there were um, a change of their homepage of the definition of of um, autonomous cars. Yeah, they sell it as autonomous equipped cars. Yeah, but the autopilot version, the current autopilot version, is not so. Um, yeah, it does not work so well. Um, yeah, what do you think about about it and about the current versions of Tesla cars? Well, so. I mean, I think you're touching on two points. One is the actual technical ability. The other is how they're marketing it on the website, correct? Yeah. yeah. So so in that case, I think perhaps you're referring to the recent language, full self-driving capable. And um, I, I, did, I did sort of go off in a rather large uh, discussion in a recent episode, uh, taking issue with that language. And I, I, I tried to kind of... I tried to find a way to make it okay to, to say that. And it was a bit convoluted. So if I'm honest, I'm almost forgetting how I put it now. But I think I said something like this. Um, you know, this kind of goes back to the cooking analogy again, weirdly. I don't know, maybe I'm hungry or something right now. But um, so, uh, you know, you, you can say that um, a bunch of ingredients in a bowl are capable of making a cake. But unless you actually bake those things, you're not going to have a cake. I mean, you can say that a Tesla is full self-driving capable. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's some sort of a subset to the overarching claim of a fully autonomous vehicle. You know, an autonomous vehicle is full, you know, has full self-driving capability. Arguably, I suppose a full self-driving capable vehicle is not necessarily an autonomous vehicle. If you see what I'm trying to say there. So I, I guess the point that I'm getting at is I, I think it is a bit, um, disingenuous to use that language, especially since, it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking and reading and writing and talking about this stuff all day long, and it required a lot of effort for me to find a way to justify that language on the website. So I do sort of question such language, especially the, the lawyer in me also takes issue with it to a certain extent. On the other hand, considering the tremendous benefit to society insofar as doing what we can to fast track the testing, the deployment of semi and eventually fully autonomous vehicles. And if this is what it takes to offset what we have here in the US, 3,000 deaths per month from human-driven cars, frankly, oh, well, so be it. Well, yeah, but at least in Germany, you guys, you know, it's really hard for you guys to actually get a driver's license. It's very easy for you to lose your license. And I'm sure you know the data as well as I do that the per capita accident and death rate on German autobahns, even in the de-restricted portions, is still far less than we have here in the U.S. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it's a good point. Yeah, um, improving this situation would be great. Um, on, on the other hand, Tesla is the only company who's do the marketing with autonomous cars at the moment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that other companies are are much better in technology, like like a Daimler or a Waymo, of course, um, with another strategy. But yeah, it's very hard for me to believe that the way we travel or uh, yeah, maybe in general living with cars is going to change. What do you think? Is 
Um, with the situation of traveling today and in the future, how will travel change in the future with AVs? Gosh, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that question. It's a great question. <clears throat> I'm trying to think which layer to tackle first. I mean, if I understand correctly, first of all, you're addressing the issue that in Germany, obviously, it's a very strong car culture. Obviously, everybody's there, right? It's BMW, Mercedes, Porsche, um, so Volkswagen. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, and, and, I, and I relate to that very well because for me also cars have always been since I was very little. My One of my deepest passions, I love cars, I love driving. I've done several track days with my dad who used to race competitively uh, years and years ago before I was born. Um, so, so I really get it. I really love cars, I love driving. Um, going forward though, so there's a couple things. Uh, first of all, let me just cut to, cut to the end, the end game for a moment. Once we have fully level five autonomous cars, by definition, this means they will not have a steering wheel, right? And if you delete the steering wheel from a car, what are you left with? You're left with a pod, a box, right? Um, I can get emotional about a lot of material objects. <laughs> I don't think I can get emotional about a pod which shuttles me around autonomously. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe it looks nice. Maybe it's kind of cute. I don't know. But it's not going to be a thing that I really passionately love the way I love, oh, I don't know, my old Mustang from my college days or a new Porsche GT3. You know, like you just you can't get emotional about a box with wheels, which you don't drive. You can see where I'm going with this. I, I just think that once that occurs, that will be the transition uh, that will be the tipping point where we really sever the emotional bond to a car and it ceases to be this emotional extension of our person and, or I should say of our soul. And at that point it becomes simply an appliance. Um, and this is important, right? Because if once that happens, <clears throat> then presumably we will no longer desire owning such cars. And that's important because, well, an autonomous car future presumes or at least requires a shift away from private ownership to car sharing. So it's kind of a full circle, right? So one is dependent on the other. So um, you're not going to want to own a car once it's not once you will no longer care to own a car once you don't feel any emotional attachment to it. Um, and that's good because once everything's autonomous, well, you better not be owning it. We need car sharing. Otherwise we're going to have more traffic problems. Mm -hmm. Right. Because everybody's traveling more. Well, that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is that if you own your own car, <clears throat> then there's going to be an incentive, of course, to to do what? To do things like let your car drop you off at work and then keep driving around in circles um, without getting parking tickets and so forth, you know, without shuttling other passengers around, that kind of thing. So th that's th there's going to be a real need to ensure that people do not just sort of monopolize the roadway with a bunch of empty cars. That's, that's not mm -hmm. a solution. Um, for the German listeners, it would be very interesting to get your view on the companies and on the market. Um, we we talked already talked about a Tesla. Um, I asked the, the question previously because of um, they launched it recently here in in Europe, um, the Model Three. So everybody's driving crazy about it mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are several tech companies in the USA who are dealing with this technology. Um, and it seems that they don't want to produce their own cars, but they want to, uh, yeah, to have the value or and the technology 
to prepare standard cars for autonomous driving. Um, so what do you think about it? And what is your view to the US companies like Waymo, Uber, and so on, and maybe also Apple? And yeah, what is the difference maybe from the strategy from from the tech companies to the traditional ones, traditional German ones? Yes, you know, we don't have any these or comparable tech company like like Waymo or Google um, in Germany. We have our traditional Volkswagen, Daimler, BMW, BMW. So um, what is your thing? What what do you think? What is your view from the USA to to um, these companies? Yeah, so if I understand your question correctly, you're, you're suggesting that because here in the US, <clears throat> many of the autonomous vehicle companies or I guess derivatives are they are being born from technology companies whereas in Germany for example they are mostly the the original car companies themselves who are trying to or at least who need to transition yes um yeah it's a really good question so i guess i'll i'll speak to germany first um let's see i uh, it, well you're right it's a very big change um i know that volkswagen for example have said quite a few times that you know, this is a really hard thing to get right. And Volkswagen have been pushing for sort of a consortium amongst the German automakers to, you know, they say it's to help <clears throat> pool their resources in order to, you know, put their money together, put their brains together. And, you know, because it's a very difficult thing to get right. Um, obviously, I think the other reason is because uh, they want to make sure from a legal point of view, they are protected. Um, if you have a sort of standards, um, you know, sort of like IEEE for engineering, if you had a similar thing for autonomous vehicles specifically, then at least you could say, hey, we did everything by the book. We're off the hook. You can't say that we're liable for having done anything wrong. And this makes a lot of sense. That said, for me, I think one of the biggest difficulties in Germany is, again, going back to this idea of car culture. So one one sort of funny hypothetical that I always think about is, I mean, at least here in the U.S., BMW always described itself as the ultimate driving machine. How do you continue to market a thing called the ultimate driving machine if you cannot drive it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, this is a funny, no, 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 I get it. To the point earlier, this is a, an issue for 10, 20 years down the road. Um, you know, and even, even in the next 10 or 15 years, when, when most, but not all of the cars <clears throat> are still human driven, you know, it'll be the human driven cars that are the special vehicles, mm. right? So, so for example, today, Porsche has, you know, the regular 911, uh, of course, then it's also got the GT3. Mm. It will be those speciality vehicles, which will still remain for quite some time indeed. And I think that's the difference. Mm. They will coexist and you can still have BMW present themselves as the ultimate driving machine, but it will be for a couple cars in its fleet, not all mm. of them. I guess. Yeah, nobody knows, <laughs> but it's very interesting to get to get. Yeah, well, but it gets strange, right? Because again, if, if yeah, because once you delete the driving element, suddenly, you know, Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, mm. like, what are they? Mm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still for for some people, it's still passion, of course. If you um, only need it for transportation, nobody cares, okay. and yeah, maybe for BMW and Daimler, it's not that big problem maybe more from for the biggest one yeah with volkswagen um they produce 10 million 
cars per year. So um, yeah, if the mass production change or the way how to to uh, use transportation systems and if there are shared mobility solutions which are very practical, yeah, maybe this is all definitely... Well, that's true. And Volkswagen actually has an initiative that they're starting called, I believe it is called WE, Volkswagen WE, like W-E. Um, and that that is a car sharing initiative that they're starting. And <clears throat> what's interesting is if you look back to the diesel scandal with Volkswagen a few years ago, um, I remember I actually wrote my thoughts on this at the time and I concluded with the assumption that Volkswagen were going to use this uh, this event as really a, a, a turning point for them to reposition themselves as the electric vehicle maker in Europe, if if not the world, potentially, maybe second only to Tesla. And of course, we've seen they've made just such a switch. They've announced something like most of their vehicles, I guess, by 2023 will be, will be electric. And any manufacturer working on electric cars is by definition also working on autonomous cars going forward. So I think the Volkswagen are already on that path to a fully electrified autonomous future. And indeed, by virtue of these new sharing programs, a sharing future as well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's um, electric vehicles, the second part. Yeah. The strategy is clear from Volkswagen after the diesel scandal a few years ago. And they have a goal. I really think they're um, going to make it this way and they will be successful. Yeah. Still, there's still a problem with Tesla here. <laughs> um, everybody, is, everybody is scared about it. But Well, Tesla... I mean, Tesla is 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 obviously in a different league to everybody else, at least from just just numbers of vehicles on the road. But look, let's let's be honest. I mean, as much as I love Tesla, and I do, um, I, I have to wonder. I, I feel like it's really their supercharger network that makes Tesla Tesla. I mean, Tesla vehicles drive phenomenally well. They they're obviously everybody knows they're so fast that they hurt your face. Um, you know, they're, they're incredible. They're great. But I do not believe that Tesla would have started selling in such numbers if they didn't eliminate the whole electric range anxiety issue. And they did that by rolling out so quickly their supercharger network. I think that's what made Tesla Tesla and continues to make Tesla Tesla. So it kind of raises the question, you know, Porsche are about to release the Taycan, the, the Taycan. Um, and that looks great of two points. One, I do believe it's going to start at the upper bound of Tesla price points, which is fine. It's a Porsche premium price. I get it. That's fine. Um, but the other problem is um, they're, they're not going to have a nationwide, let alone a worldwide network of supercharging stations. So I don't know, actually. To me, that's that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe only a technology or a solution for, for the phase between the new revolution. Yeah, we will see. Yeah. They're starting to to implement more and more charging stations, public charging stations for general cars. So very exciting. Yeah, but it's going to require a huge, just a, a whole other magnitude step change of rollout of charging points. I mean, here in the US, for example, Chevy has the Chevy Bolt, which is a phenomenal little car. I've test driven them. They're, they're really genuinely fantastic. There is nothing bad that I can say about that little car. In fact, it's the car that, 
that GM uses for cruise automation, their autonomous car. They're not really a startup anymore. But anyway, um, it's a great car. But the only thing I can say against it, honestly, the only thing is, yeah, what do you do? You can't charge it quickly on your drive between, say, San Francisco and L.A., which is a distance of, uh, what, 600, 700 kilometers. So, so I think that's that's going to be the biggest sort of roadblock for any of these companies is if ever there was an example of putting the cart before the horse, um, this is surely it. About about the German uh, traditional car companies, um, I'm not sure if they really have to compete against the tech companies. What do you think? Um, if we're talking about, for example, Waymo or Uber, um, do you think they have to compete, or is that are the tech companies only the driver in it? How do you see it? I mean, just looking at it. Well, so first of all, to clarify your question, you're, you're saying, are you suggesting that maybe the tech companies here in the US might be the sort of potentially the only autonomous cars on the road and the German companies will suffer as a result? Mm, yeah, for example, Waymo is only yeah producing and selling the equipment. They don't want to produce their own cars. Um, so the question is if if uh, this is only a driver, for example, um, Waymo, the Waymo technology, and kicking the old companies to do it by themselves, or ah, I see what you're saying. Well, I mean, can't we consider? Yeah, so I see your point. I mean, if if indeed, well, I think I see your point. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, so so Waymo just recently announced, for example, that they're going to start selling their lidar kit. It's called. It's a pretty cute name, actually. What is it? Honey Bear something or other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, honeycomb. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, Honeycomb. Yeah, exactly. Honeycomb. Thank you. Um, they're going to be selling it, but 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 not to ride-sharing companies because, of course, not. Um, but I think eventually, I mean, can it not be argued? I'm, I'm totally just thinking out loud right now that eventually the software and perhaps even the entire hardware stack of autonomous vehicle technology, how is that going to be different to any other component of a car? So, for example... Um, as you know, all the components for any car maker, really, they are, well, famously, except for Tesla, I guess, um, they're built and, and outsourced elsewhere, right? Your wiper blades come from someplace, your spark plugs come from someplace, your brakes come, what, from Brembo, say, which I think is Italian still, right? Um, and so you put these all together. So, and I know BMW, for example, they've got the new partnership with InnoViz for solid state LiDAR, which will be rolling out, I guess, in 2021. On a three series, um, yeah. So, so I don't really see why we need to think of the technology companies here in the U.S., whether it's Waymo or anybody else, as being anything other than simply another component which is used, as with any other component. So, so one example that comes to mind is I know, for example, I think it was the last generation of the Dodge Viper. By many, many metrics, if you looked at its components. It was actually more Italian than American. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it actually had the same brake kit as a Ferrari F430 or something. So, so, so I think to answer your question, unless I misunderstood your question, I think that's a possible solution where we have German or other companies, doesn't have to be German car companies, which indeed may absolutely rely on a lot of the autonomous tech developed here in the States as simply another component to those cars. I don't, I don't, see why that should be a problem so unfortunately yeah. there are no self-driving cars on german roads so far um so uh, a question to um, yeah maybe is 
the general feelings or general discussions in your country about self-driving cars i read several articles about um about attacks on the waymo cars in arizona mm -hmm. is there any special um discussion at the moment or what is the what is the situation in the usa at the moment with the self-driving do you refer to the acceptance of autonomous cars generally yeah yeah um, yeah, I, I feel like it depends whom you ask, where you read, and uh, what day of the week you pull up the data. Oh, okay. I think in general, it's probably, I'm not even going to guess on a, on the split now, you know, the population, which is four autonomous cars, those which are not. Honestly, you can you can Google it and get all sorts of different results, depending on who conducted the, the survey. But I, I do think that in general, people are still probably not too keen on the idea. Um, people are concerned. And it, it kind of ends up being an almost philosophical dilemma or I guess discussion. Um, and it's something I've tried to address quite a few times on my podcast, which is this idea, you know, it, it seems that we humans are, we're perfectly okay with a car accident, even if it results in a death, I should say, especially if it results in a death, if that car accident is caused by human error. It turns out that we have basically zero tolerance for an accident and especially for a death if it's caused by a computer. And so, and so I put this theoretical question to, to everybody, and I guess I'll ask you the same question. Suppose you're in an airplane and the airplane crashes on landing due to pilot error. And in hypothetical number two, the airplane crashes on landing due to flight computer, autopilot error. Which result will upset you the most? Yeah, the autopilot, of course. Yeah. And if I asked you why? Um, because, um, yeah, the pilot is a human and, and they can make a mistake, you know. So, yeah. So we're more tolerant for the thing which... Yeah, you, you expect or I expect that um, the computer works 100% without any failure. Yeah, no. and that's the funny paradox, right? Because on the, in the same breath that we that we make that assumption, that we state that assumption, we also say... Yeah, but we expect our computers, even our phones, to crash and to be restarted all the time. <laughs> so, so it's a funny sort of a it's sort of a paradoxical kind of expectation. Um, but it's true. Look, I mean, the whole reason why aviation is the safest—I was going to say the safest form of transport—but as I often joke, I do believe that being inside of an airplane at cruising altitude is the safest place on the planet that you can be. Um, and that's largely because of all the extremely strict, regulus, rigorous regulations. Um, the whole reason why this incident with Boeing 737 MAX 8 is such a big deal is because it's statistically impossible that this occurred, but for some sort of serious, criminally negligent behavior, right? I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure some engineers can correct me on how I'm going to paraphrase this, but I remember reading, I don't know, several years ago that in the last couple, in the last, I think decade or two, the, the, the probability of both engines failing on a modern twin engine aircraft was essentially zero. I mean, you, you like, so the calculation of mean time to failure is basically a worthless thing to say for both engines to fail on it modern aircraft and the whole reason for this is because of the extremely rigorous strict regulation thanks to 
here in the States, the FAA, internationally, uh, IOTA, ICAO, and so on. Um, and so this is actually why I have argued many times, or at least suggested many times, that we're eventually going to need, at least here in the U.S., first of all, uh, an FAVA, a Federal Autonomous Vehicle Administration. Um, this goes back to the point of your question, which is, you know, are people not accepting of such things yet with autonomous cars? Yeah, I guess they're not, um, and perhaps rightfully so. Um, I think it's because people realize it's not properly regulated yet, and regulation means a few things. A, it means you're, you're going to have to do things by the book, but most importantly, that's going to mean that every system, like with an aircraft, is going to have triple and even quadruple redundant systems. And if it's done correctly, then the whole trolley paradox, which everybody discusses, and I've said over and over again, is a ridiculous, stupid discussion and has no place whatsoever. That discussion, by definition, won't even be necessary anymore if this is done right. Because again, I say to you what I've said to others, when was the last time that you had to decide whether to hit a grandma or a little kid crossing the road? If you've reached that point, you've already failed. That's great. Great thoughts. And thank you very much for sharing it with us. That's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Thanks a lot for for this discussion and for the very interesting information and you, your view to this topic. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best for the future with your podcast. Well, thanks very much, Matthias. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. A huge Dankeschön to Matthias for allowing me to cross-post this episode on my own podcast as well uh, again don't forget to follow him on twitter at autonom Fahren. you can google his podcast it's autonomous Fahren. thank you all so much for listening until next time that will be on friday have a wonderful rest of the week bye-bye